Welcome, I'm Laura, and this is Secrets Your Mentor Never Told You. Trina Hamilton, who recently shifted her 30-year career in corporate education and leadership development to something more deeply personal. She helps leaders recover from the chaos around them so they can lead from the best parts of themselves, a discipline she learned through her own experience with addiction. Trina founded the organization Recover to Lead, which provides leadership coaching resources and tools that help leaders live and lead with resilience, integrity, and purpose. Topics today will be fake it till you make it and how the pandemic tested our resilience. She's also giving us a tool called the Recovery Zone. Join me now for my conversation with Trina Hamilton. It's the beauty of creating, but really it's up to us as coaches or to everyone as human beings is to see the sameness in one another and then tap into what's unique for them to make it their own thing, right? Hmm. Yeah, because you that's what lit me up about your recover to lead. This is what can inspire and instead of that like forcing through the needle like Mm. pushing and you made a comment of uh which i love is that fake it till you make it we see it so much and it's soul destroying Mm -hmm. yeah so especially when it buries our own expression because there's a few words that come up when you with what you just said one is uh, essence that we all have similar essences you know, our humanity, the mm-hmm. essence of our humanity. And the other one is we all have our un- own unique way of expressing ourselves. What is our expression? Yeah. So how's that shown up for you, that unique expression? Do you mm. think you're in it? Oh, I'm in it right now, baby. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm in it right now. And it's like, it's a roller coaster of, uh, of, uh, excitement to express and then that moment of vulnerability and then the recovering from the vulnerability in order to continue on and not collapse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in it. I'm deep in it. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm in it with you. I'm, I'm there. And I think I, I witnessed that in you that that's what excited me because yeah. you're there. So tell me about the path leading up to this. The practical path. Oh my word. Are you practical or is it, I think you're designing something pretty, like it's alive. And to me, practical is uh, maybe a piece of it is how you might, you know, there's a part of it, a blueprint. Yeah. There's a road leading up to this big explosion. Yeah, there is a big road. And part of it is just the weariness and the exhaustion from faking it and pretending. Um, holding an inner secret and showing up a certain way in the world and not in order to be yes ego based and more from the perspective of self-protection thank you for bringing up the self-preservation thing and i think ego we make ego as a negative thing so often we we charge it with ego they're in ego and really it is the part of what being a human being is all about. And that self-preservation, it's designed that way and it serves us and it served you somewhere in your life. 
And I, and I know that it's as an adult, it comes through in a different way. So what was this fake it till you make it was triggering the self-preservation. Yeah. I think as an adult, it comes out as competence for, for me. Anyway, it came out as attaining levels of competence and then expressing myself through that competence. Right. And so from the outside looking in, you know, others looking at me would say, wow, you know, not, not so much she's got it all together, but wow, she's highly competent. Wow, she strives. Wow, she continuously learns and achieves. And maybe there's a natural part of me that is and would be that way. And through most of my life, there was a, a requirement almost for my self-preservation to demonstrate my capability and my competence in order to show that I was of value or worthy of being in existence. So, you know, underneath the surface for me, there was a huge disconnect and dissonance between my lived experience and what showed up on the outside. Mm. And the actions, you know, the practical side of it, there's nothing wrong with them. A part of what I've been doing as I've been launching this um, program, this, I don't want to call it a business, it feels different than a business, but it is a business. Um, oh, yeah, I have leaned on my competence. There was a part of me when I understood what I was discovering about myself, that was almost a gift back to the world. It's like, okay, I have, there's a nut that's cracking. And I can share that, you know, as I reconcile the the disconnect, as I start to in, reintegrate, there's a gift that I can give to the world. And, and I realized that that competence that I build was actually a pragmatic, practical way for me to share it. So, you know, uh, there's like the pragmatic and practical comes in. There's yes, the duality of you. Right. Yeah. And I just want to throw a side wrench into this because I was I've been watching The Crown on Netflix. Have you? I saw the first season, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Since. So no spoilers, but I'm in the Princess Diane phase. I kind of know what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'm, why? Okay, sidebar. It is uh, watching it. I'm going. They have ca encapsulated the actual moments on TV. They've recreated those moments. Mm -hmm. So you, I literally am having flashes in my mind, going, "Oh, I remember that that vignette as I saw it on TV." However, going back to what you speak to is this what I'm emotionally connected to with what they're doing with presenting Diana as this person who was shamed for who she was and she wasn't competent in playing the game that they were all agreed to to be miserable mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. and and I, I love and value that the changes that are coming for uh, women in particular like for the generations that are happening now and what you and I have you know, we had to, I kind of the monkey dancing on a box kind of, that's what it feels like this, do what you think you have to look like you're, you're achieving and or did you be enough or but not too much? Yeah, that's a, that's an exa that's an exhausting dance. Yeah. So yeah. when you said competent, 
and I know you know more about it. So I want you to share with me about resiliency. Mm -hmm. And that's what's coming for me is the, mm -hmm. if I'm dancing in a box and I'm like, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do and how to, you know, and that fake it till you make it, whew, like then somebody says, be resilient. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and again, it's another check mark for worth. I'm resilient. Uh, you know, what is that song? I get back down, I get back up again. Uh, or from my generation, the weebles wobbles, but they can't fall down, right? Yes. Like you can wobble, but you can't fall down. And I think what I've learned in the last two years, specifically, and especially in the last six months, is that we, it, I think you use the word game, I'm not sure, playing the game, you know, mm -hmm. Diana was playing the game. We actually have a right to choose our own game and define for ourselves what our own competence looks like in action. And, and again, it goes back to the out looking from the outside in, in business. I, I spent my entire career in corporate, not in the um, management of or operations, but in the support of leadership and learning development, supporting others. And a, that's a very comfortable place for me to be. And yet I also needed to show up as a leader. And there's a certain way that we are, have been invited to lead and manage as, as especially as, as not just women, I think men as well. Men have had to fake it until they make it for decades. You know, who knows what they believe or feel? We don't ask them. Yeah. So, I think what I've learned in the last couple of years and why it turned into this expression, a new expression for me is that there is a place inside of me, inside of you, that we have not necessarily been invited into purposefully by our parents, by the people around us, or by ourselves that can inform what will bring us our own satisfaction, happiness, success. And that is going to be different for everybody. Mm, tell me more about that space. Well, I think there's just so many different ways for us to show up. I look at my experience working with beautiful people in corporate with so many unique ways of expressing themselves and being in the world and offering from themselves. And that is not always, and I'm, I, I don't want to think about performance right now, performance in the business. I, I think about in the corporate world, we spend a lot of time just with each other for a common purpose. We want to create something in our business, in our, in our organizations, absolutely. But we approach it from who we are. I approach my work from who I have been my entire life. That's a very internal, external way of expressing myself. But our invitation in the workplace typically is, here is the norm. Now, show up in a way that reinforces or reassures us that this norm is a viable, good, productive offering. 
And how does that make sense to an employee or a person who's assigned to lead and they want their needs met? Yeah, and I, I agree. I think it's I think it's starting to shift. Mm. I think that, for instance, uh, COVID required us to look behind, literally on Zoom, behind the people that we work with, into their lives. Ooh. And I think that's fundamentally changing. It has to change relationships. Mm -hmm. When I'm actually working with six or seven teammates, and I can see behind them into their living room, and their kitchen table, and their dog, and their kids, and their you know, spouse inadvertently walking across the path of the video, not knowing that they're on video. You My know, husband might do that. He might walk in and <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it, it there's this facade that I think has crumbled that has created a situation where we are we can actually give each other permission to bring more of ourselves into the work equation not just the balance of, you know, work and family, let's balance work and family. It's not like we're doing all of it smushed together at the same time. And I love that proposition. That's how I've always worked. I had a boss once. I was trying very hard to make a, a point about why something mattered to me and to what I believed was I mattered to the organization. And she said, this is a very senior leader, she said, I'm, I'm really surprised at how personally you take your work. And it was derogatory. I can't believe how personally, Trina, you take your work. Kind of like, get over that and look at this from the perspective of, you know, so, some other perspective. Right. More and emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt shame in that moment. I questioned myself in that moment. And then I recovered back to that, back to <laughs> what mattered to me. And I thought, yeah, damn right. I, t I have always taken my work personally. It's an expression of who I am. Ooh. And yeah, and isn't that is. what everyone wants to, I mean, talk about employee engagement. We want to be engaged from who we are, essentially who I am. I want the best parts of myself to be invited into the workplace, into my work. You know, I want you to tap into the best parts of me, you know, and, 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 you know, while accomplishing the goals of the role, absolutely. I mean, if there's a disconnect there, then that's a, that's another conversation. But mm -hmm. I just think that there, we all show up very uniquely. We have years and years of experience as adults showing up at the workplace that we're bringing with us. And it's not necessarily invited into the equation. I want to know more about the recovery zone, this recovery, because it, it's, it stemmed from somewhere. Mm. Where, where did it start? It started with my own recovery. I've been on this journey, a new journey for a couple of years now, I think in June this year, 2020. So in the middle of COVID, I was having a cup of coffee outside, which is unusual for me because I live in a high rise. I was with my husband. I was outside on a patio. He was he was inside. You know, you have those moments sometimes where the truth just sort of lands in you. And three words popped into my head, recover to lead. I was in the midst of my own recovery. I was recovering from alcohol addiction, which had 
slowly crept up on me for about 10 years and then really showed its ugly head in, I guess, oh, I'm not good at years, but two years ago, two and a half years ago, it really started to show up where I realized I'm not in a good situation. And uh, so I went on this journey of seeking help for that, reaching out to, to people who know more than I do about that, and began to realize that I was in this uh, pattern of of just carrying on in spite of what my real experience was. And so I'd been in a bit of a, what I recognize now for me was a toxic work environment. And I had been just trying and trying and trying and trying and trying to make it work. And to the point of I was, I was feeling literally like I was showing up every morning at 7.30 and hanging by my fingernails, just, just trying harder, doing more, uh, trying to see what is a different perspective that I'm not holding that I should hold that would allow this thing to work, this sort of dynamic in, in my own work and my expression of work. And I just couldn't do it. And I, and I was in a pattern that I didn't realize I was in that I'd been in my whole life, which is let me show you how I am worthy and enough. And I was in the pattern of trying to express that in an environment where there was no way I was going to be seen. Mm. There was no way that was going to be invited, but I kept trying. I kept trying. I kept trying. So I realized that I needed to make a change and I did. I ended up lefting my, lefting, leaving my um, <laughs> stage left. The stage, yeah, stage left. Like, let's just sidle away from this and left my full time job to do something different. I didn't know quite what that was. Over the course of a couple of years, I learned what it means to be in the grip of addiction. I've been, I've worked with a couple of therapists. I'm working with a really good one now who has an addiction specialty. I've been working with her for about a year. I uh, worked with the people at She Recovers, which oh. is a, yeah, it's a, it is a phenomenal organization that supports women in all kinds of recovery. So I did some work with them. Uh, bottom line is I learned that I had an addict with me uh, this secret voice in me since I was a late teenager for uh, a number of reasons that I have expressed in my website, A Recover to Lead. I've got an article out that just sort of rips the bandaid and, and, and talks to some of the, some of the things that I experienced early on that created this place of, of mm. not enoughness. I have recently learned that I spent my entire adult life in a bit of a shame spiral where I had this belief that I wasn't enough and I needed to prove myself in order to be validated. So I was a, I was a hyperachiever. I was bulimic for 10 years. So from the time I was 19 until I was 29, 30 and 10 years as a bulimic with no one knowing is a painful secret 
to share. I mean, I was like, I was working full time. I was uh, in part-time business classes. I was taking um, fitness instructor certification programs. I was a runner. I was a fitness instructor. And I was uh, secretly torturing myself, you know, every evening, sometimes many times a day. And nobody knows it for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, it becomes in itself shameful and more torturous because nobody's actually looking because that's exactly what you want. You want to be seen. You want to be heard because I think that's where all things start. And that when you have that conversation with somebody and it sparks something in you to get help. There, what were the trickling little threads that were happening for you up until that moment? Like, yeah, I was realizing that, you know, I had said earlier, I have been in learning and development. I'm an adult educator. I'm trained that way. I know how to build learning programs and curriculum. I have, um, for the last six, seven years, become a leadership coach. I have created leadership development programs and facilitated them and supported leaders and coached leaders. And I started to realize that what I was learning, I needed to do in order to recover from the grasp of this addict, this addiction was exactly what I was pointing leaders toward mm -hmm. in order for them to be most effective and most integrated and authentic as leaders. It was the same thing. And it was the notion of, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first. The resilience and grit and lean in are all great ideas, unless you are not taking moments to pause and look inward and recover back to who you authentically are. It sounds like the foundation before resilience can really happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That what I was learning, I, one of the things in recovery from addiction was I was spinning in the past and the future. I lived my life spinning about the past and the future. I did not know how to be in the moment. Right. So I had this level of anxiety always that was thinking about what am I going to do in order to make all this work out? down the road, plan it out, plan it out, control the future. And then also spinning around, how can I, how can I make up for, how can I justify, how can I be better than I was in the past? Recovery, the first step is you got to get into the present moment because that's where the healing is. That's where the honesty is. That's where, you know, I, I learned how to take a snapshot. So, Ooh, you know, tell me more about well, that. Well, when you are trying not to go to the patterns that um, resolve these inner feelings that we have, and we go to our addictions, right? We go to, we're going to over shop, we're going to go online, we're going to get hooked on oh, our phones, we're going to eat, we're going to drink. Alcohol, yeah, all of it. All work. of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, work. Yeah, exactly. Oh. There are all these things that are expressions of this desire to fill in this, whatever fill. this is. Fill. Yeah. I learned that I needed to take a snapshot, meaning I needed to like flash a light on this moment right now and look and see what's really happening right now. 
you have like a, a thing that you do? Well, a number of things. And, okay. and, and it's a muscle that we build. So it's, it's, so in the snapshot, it is what is happening right now, mm. real, not in my head, what's really happening mm. right now. So if, what's really happening right now is I am in my den looking at a computer where Laura's face is looking back at me. She is smiling and nodding. Her eyes are fresh. I feel my chest opening. Mm. Like, so what would not be a snapshot would be, I'm on a podcast and people are listening right now and they're judging me. Right. And I'm saying I'm, I'm, I've, I'm being confusing. And, um, I, you know, Laura probably thinks I'm an idiot and that is, that's <laughs> yes. not a snapshot, right? So there's no. this, like, what is the real information that you're experiencing in, in this moment right now and settle in there? Mm. You know, I, I remember the first time I did this in my previous job was, and it was like, holy cow, I have been living in what's the next thing I need to do for years. And oh, I learned, hold up. Just got to grab that. What is the next thing I got to do? Yeah. How many people yeah. out there say that every second of yeah. the day? Thank you, yeah. Trina. I yeah. just, what is the it's, next thing I need to do? It's, it's painful. It's, pa it's painful. And I was <laughs> like, I, my day was segmented by 10 minutes, right? Like, what am I going to do in the next 10 minutes? 10 and then after that, I'm going to do this. And then after this, I'm going to do this. But yeah. I had this moment where I was in the ladies' washroom at the sink. And I looked at myself and I took a breath and I thought, I don't need to wait to process this feeling I'm having right now, which was I'm exhausted. I realized I don't need to wait and put that off until tonight. I can actually be in this moment now where I'm like, I'm exhausted. My stomach is tense. I'm living off the, my forehead, like thinking about what's next. And I, and I was like, okay, that's happening right now. So what can I do about it right now? Okay, I can take a breath. I can lower my shoulders. I'm doing it with you. I can you. relax my stomach. Mm. I can look in the mirror. I can say, this moment right now, you're okay. You're okay. You're, you're tired. So this moment right now, mm. you're okay. Like, take a breath. And somebody came in to the ladies room as I was doing that. And I had this wave of energy for her. I, I had recovered back to myself in 20 seconds enough that instead of being exhausted and thinking about what's next, I looked at her and I saw her and I, I had energy for her. And I thought, Oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> what that's, do you remember what you saw in that moment of her? I, I saw her that. exhaustion. Mm. I saw her distraction. Yeah. I saw her like wishing that she didn't have to go to the bathroom because she had other things that she needed to do, right? I saw that. And so I had a moment for her and that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. I want to be present enough yeah. to be able to receive people that way and see people that way. But I had not, I had been doing that, but self-sacrificing to do that. So what I was doing secretly yeah. was I was in those moments where I was feeling something, burying it and saying, that's for you later. 
just keep going. And I would show up and I'd be there and I'd coach somebody and I'd see someone and I'd, you know, then I'd get home at seven o'clock done. And then I would open up a bottle of wine and I would pour a glass of wine. And that was my permission to stop. This is such a light bulb moment from the last two years for me that I'm realizing when I went before I took that first sip of wine, that it would be there would be this wave of emotion coming up that it would be this a wave of uh, this sense of too muchness of ex particularly for me i get excited and happy and joyful and then i swallow it with wine to calm that down yeah and so now mm. i'm not even going to do anything about it now because i am burying it with the wine i'm numbing myself to that feeling and I, in my head, I'm, I'm resting from it, but I'm, I'm not because I'm not letting myself feel the feels throughout the day. And I'm not letting myself feel the feels in the evening. And I mean that, and where I say, you know, over 10 years is probably built up. I, I was not in the grip of that. I loved wine. You know, you, that's the thing about wine too, is you can be addicted mm. to wine and you're a connoisseur. So I was a great connoisseur. I, I mean, I can, I can taste the tasting notes, right? <laughs> I can, I can, I'm with you on that. I still think it's beautiful. It smells wonderful and everything. And then I realize it's still connected to a wave of emotion that I'm not experiencing. Yeah. Part of my healing started when I started coaching because I, got the privilege of learning that every leader that I spoke to predominantly, uh, especially as I was coaching and supporting them, had a part of them inside that they would that they were not showing. And it was costing them. And so I got to learn the common experience, I got to learn that my humanity was shared with others, my you know, that hole that I was trying to fill or, you know, whatever philo philosophical way you want to put it. You're right. Right. Yeah. That I got to learn. And, and so as a coach, I, this is again, going back to the competency, I had the competency to hold that space for others. And that turned in on of itself on itself. And I also got to learn how to how to hold that space for myself. And that's what turned into the recover to lead. That's what turned into the, oh my gosh, there is a zone that I go to. There's a zone that I recover to. When I start thinking about this is too much or I'm not in the moment or I'm spinning in my head, I've learned that there's this zone that I can go to, that everyone can go to, that I've helped other leaders go to. Yeah, You don't have to be addicted to wine or shopping or food in order to go there. But in this moment now, what is here for you? What is your current experience right now? Where is it in your whole being, not just your brain? I think a, a lot of us in this pattern of spinning the hamster wheel, we're in our brain, in our brain, in our brain. We live from the neck up and we don't experience what's possible. Mm -hmm. like within our heart, with our gut, our even our toes touching the ground. Yeah, and tell me more. <laughs> yeah, I know because that <laughs> in the now includes our own physicality, and I mean we learn about that as coaches that the experience of our clients, if we add the body to it, if we help them to move 
literally through their experience, a lot more happens for them. You know, their coaching experience sticks. We know uh, I'm yeah. I'm we know through neuroscience that our brain is a system and it is connected to our whole body. I tell you, I spent so much of my life numbing myself from the neck down. You know, and when you think about it in this moment now, it's like in that moment in the ladies' room. I I wasn't just getting present in the now and doing a snapshot of what's really going on right now. I was actually reconnecting to my body. I was breathing in the moment. When I connected to my body, I had this whole level of wisdom and beingness that I was able to just turn around and that, you know, lucky or unlucky woman who walked in got <laughs> so much more of me because I had dropped below the neck. Yeah. And that's, that is, that's now, you know, what is our relationship with now is what is our relationship with our whole beingness, with our whole body, with our whole breath. And from that place, we actually have, so, we have, there's so much more that we can create from. What is the misunderstanding that people have about what you do? Yeah, the common misunderstanding is that this is work for people who are in addiction. I point people toward specific help for recovery from addiction because I've had that experience, but that is not my competence. This work is for leaders, and, and I would say leaders are anyone, anyone who wants to be the owner of their impact in their world. So uh, I don't mean structural leaders, although there's a certain, there, I have a certain appetite for that. I have a certain appetite for mid-level leaders who are at that, it, there's a, the sandwich, I have so much empathy for mid-level leaders who are being <laughs> looked down on from the leaders from above and being looked up at from the, from the leaders below. Yes. And, and that pressure is, it's very delicate and difficult. And there's a connection to the competent and perfection that speaks to that mid-level where you're balancing the the line that's like a tightrope. Which way is which? You're yeah. In that middle. I love it. I see yeah. that for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, the way that I see Recover to Lead showing up in the world, showing up for leaders who might be listening, is creating a space where this conversation about who I am and my particular unique offering, my expression, how I can invite that into my impact in the world, how I can use that in order to create impact for myself and for people around me. So there's a, like a real healthy place for us to be that like the, in the recovery zone, we've talked about being in the present moment. Now there's also what, so what's the relationship to now? What is your relationship with yourself? As a leader in your life, are you treating yourself as your worst enemy and judging yourself and being aggressive against yourself? You know, in, in Buddhism, I think Pima Chodron talks about being aggressive to ourselves versus being co uh, compassionate to ourselves, seeing ourselves as humans and therefore fundamentally flawed and caught up in, you know, I mean, and so 
if we're beating ourselves up all the time as leaders, if we're saying, you know, I, I need to push harder, I need to do more, and not giving ourselves the compassion to say, your imperfection is perfect. You know, you are enough, I am enough. I'm showing up as enough. So so that's an important part of it. And then from a, a corporate business impact perspective, it's what matters. You yeah. know, it's amazing, you know, you're a coach, it might amaze you as well, how many people that I talk with who, when I ask what matters most to you, they don't know. You know, so there's a conversation there that I want to invite people into that is, could be perceived as selfish or self-centered and so we shy away from it, but it's essential. If we wanna have a purposeful impact in the world, I need to be a friend to myself. I need to be present right now and use all of my faculties and get out of my head and stop spinning like I am do so well. And then I need to ask myself what matters most to me. You're right. I'm glad you brought Pema Chodron up. I was reading her Bodhisattva Sicha. Anyway, we're not Buddhists. Right. All right. Right. Okay. So when you we talked earlier about the enthusiasm that we feel before we swallow down with the Chardonnay or or what have you, it's the enjoying that enthusiasm, delight in its virtue. And she says it means working wisely with my emotions and learning to gently tame my mind. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I just felt this sense of, ah, like letting what I want here and now. You talk about what matters. Yeah, what matters is what I want. And to be with what I want, what I need. And for me, I'm going forward is this need of connecting with people. I don't know where it's leading, but this is why the podcast came up for me. And I wanted to ask you, Trina, what matters to you about the work? Mm, so much matters. Um, my, my purpose. So there's different ways to look at purpose. We could have dreams or vision for ourselves. For me, purpose has never been about doing, it's always been about a way of being. My purpose is to illuminate our unique way of being in the world so we can live from the best parts of ourselves. And I have other goals and visions and dreams, but that purpose for me requires me to do the same for myself. So it's, it's, there's an integration to it. And when I look at Recover to Lead and the work that I really want to do, it is about having conversations, inviting people into conversations, having internal conversations where we give ourselves permission to see the best parts of ourselves and then create in the world from there. If we're all going inside and giving ourselves permission to acknowledge and honor what is really good in us. And then regardless of all the other crap that we're burdened by of not being good enough or not being <laughs> yeah. enough or whatever, that we keep tapping into what are the best parts of myself and how can I create from that? And that's scary as hell. Like that's what I'm in the midst of doing right now, which is like sending me into 
you know, I'm, I've got panic in my stomach and mm. I keep saying to myself, maybe it's excitement, but no, it's kind of panic. <laughs> right. I, I, I'm feeling it too. Like the, on the there. edge, yeah. on the edge of expanding ourselves on the edge of coming in contact with this conversation, like what you're having, where I don't know where this is going, but I know that I need to be doing this. If this year, 2020 hasn't proven to us that the world is uncertain and we can't ground ourselves in it. So then, if that's true, then, then really all we have is what's best in us right now and taking a creative, impactful step forward. And I want to welcome people to this place because this is where freedom is. Freedom is in the creation without the end. And you talk about worrying about the future. This is the cure, relying on ourselves to be in the present moment, not plan this, like this podcast has no means and purpose other than to be exposed and to be heard and to be shared. Well, I, I think that that is a purpose. It is. It is it, an intention and it's enough. And it's my way of being. And I've established that this year in solid foundation. And that's what I bring to the table is mm -hmm. really focusing in on people's way of being because that's your foundation. I'm right now, the work that I'm doing is really about connecting back to who I was before, before my way of being was interrupted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You would say then I am connecting to my true self. Yeah, which sounds really woo woo, but, but, uh, but like, well, and is it woo woo? I mean, when you just from a practical perspective, because I got a big pragmatic side, we are born and then our natural pro proclivities are interrupted by everything around us. True and story. so, right mm. and yet going back to the very beginning there is an essence there is an essence to who i am and my work right now is becoming more in touch with her and trusting her wisdom and joy and way of being and and then being courageous enough to process that externally that's what I'm doing. You know, I had a conversation with my husband this morning because today I'm I'm kind of launching. Today is the first day that I'm actually launching, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm honored that you're here yeah. launching. I know. And so I said, you know, that's going to involve, I'm going to change my LinkedIn profile so that it says founder, recover to lead. And he said, well, maybe it's founding. And I'm like, oh yeah, bang Snap, on, bang right? Yes. I, I am in this process. And wow, is it ever fun and scary to it's be in process? And I think that again, going back to recover to lead, mm -hmm. if you're in process and you're processing out loud, mm. you need to be able to recover back to yourself in order to take the next new step. You have to be able to do that. You can do that fast. You know, if you're on a roll, yes, you can do that fast. Okay, I'm checking in with myself. Yep, I'm good to go. But it, if you lose that, I think, and I've been doing this in the last three weeks where I've been getting ready to launch, I have lost myself, forgotten to recover back to myself and gotten stuck in my head and, and thinking more about 
how will this show up? Outcome. Yeah. 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 Outcome based. And, I, and that just scares me and shuts me down. And when there is this sense of overwhelm, that's exactly what fear looks like. Mm -hmm. and, and I argue process is the way and state of being. If we're in our be if we're being ourselves, then we're in the sense of process and it's how we keep recovering back to bang. I'm that's really up, good. Right? Yeah, that's really good. I, I love the I love the if we are being ourselves and ourselves is always evolving, we must be paying attention to our own process or process. I think we forget to do that. I think we forget. We think we, we you know, by the time we're whatever age, 27, 28, mm. 30, 40, whatever, we're baked. We're not. We lost that sense of We're still yourself. cooking. Yeah. yeah. There's more ingredients being added every moment. So be attentive to your own process of becoming. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Trina Hamilton from Recover to Lead. I have enjoyed having you on this podcast. You uh, have sparked such great insight for me for more uh, podcasts to come. And I want to thank my podcast strategist coach, Mary Chan at OrganizedSound.ca. I couldn't have made this without you, Mary. Join me next time. I have a special treat for you. There is a tool called The Three Principles, and I get to share this with you. So let me know what you thought about today's episode. In the reviews, leave feedback, comments. What sparked in you when you think about the tools and the generosity of the stories shared by Trina Hamilton? Thank you for listening. I'm Laura. This is Secrets Your Mentor Never Told You. We're still cooking. Yeah. There's more ingredients being added every moment. So be attentive to your own process of becoming. Yeah, that's beautiful. Snaps. <laughs> you like my snaps? It's the poet. <laughs> the poet snaps. I just, I don't know. I picked that up today. 